Welcome back to the Dirt Show. Judge Cannon's decision to appoint a special master continues to uh, make noise and upset a lot of people. The New York Times, of course, doesn't even pretend to be unbiased uh, in this situation. Here are their headlines. A Trump-appointed judge. Did they ever say that about an Obama or Biden-appointed judge? A Trump-appointed judge's ruling to interject, interject, that's a neutral word, in the documentary inquiry surprised many legal specialists. And then the headline in the actual front page says, deeply problematic, experts question judges' intervention in Trump inquiry. Which experts? Only one side. They quote half a dozen experts, all of whom are opposed to the judge's order. I bet you most of these experts, if the shoe were on the other foot, if this were President Hillary Clinton, she had been the president and she was now being searched after she lost and after somebody was running against her. If the shoe were on the other foot, I guarantee you most of these experts would be praising Judge Cannon's decision. Do not believe academic experts who are part of the Get Trump posse. I just agreed to do a new book entitled Get Trump. And the thesis of the whole new book is that we are seeing the Constitution trashed by people who will do anything to get Trump. If you're willing to get Trump, you can say anything, do anything, the Constitution be damned. But if you're in any way defending Trump's rights, even though you're against him as a politician, as I am, you're canceled, you're dismissed, you're called a fool. The judge's opinion was called dumb and stupid and jerky. Again, if the shoe were on the other foot, it would be completely different. And one of the arguments that's being made against the judge's order is that it included executive privilege material. And the critics, the academic experts, all say executive privilege. Well, the incumbent president, of course, can waive the executive privilege of the former president, even if the former president is the guy who's going to run against them in the next election. Can you imagine what that would do to executive privilege? Bye-bye executive privilege. What president would ever confide in cabinet members, in his chief of staff, in his anybody, uh, legal counsel, anything else? What president would ever do that if he knew that his successor or her successor, who he's going to run against, had the power to undo the executive privilege? It would be as if I go to my client and I say, look, you, you really have to confide in me. I will go to my grave uh, with your secrets. You've got to tell me the truth. Or a doctor who says, you know, did, did you have sex with somebody you're not married to? I need to know that to diagnose your whatever. Uh, and of course, today, a client or a patient can say to a doctor, all right, I'll tell it to you in confidence, but you have to swear you won't tell anybody else. Imagine. If the rule were, in two years, all this information could be made public, what client would ever confide with a lawyer? What patient would ever confide in a doctor? And what president would ever confide in an aide if they knew that the successor president who defeated them for office and who he's going to be running against to try to defeat him for office could disclose the information in a partisan way in order to gain a partisan advantage? And that's what these experts are saying. Maybe the court will support them. 
Maybe the court will accept these experts. No common sense. As my grandmother would say, no sechel. Nothing up there. What happens to executive privilege? Executive privilege is rooted in Article 2 of the Constitution. Just like lawyer-client privilege is rooted in the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution. You just can't willy-nilly abolish it. And you are abolishing it if you give the successor president the power to waive it, to undo it. <laughs> when a presidential aide confides in a president or a president confides in a presidential aide, he doesn't get a Miranda warning. And, and that's going to be a new Miranda warning. Oh, by the way, if you tell me anything or if you confide in me, um, I won't say anything. And it'll be covered by executive privilege as long as you're president. But the minute you stop being president, the man who defeated you and who you're running against can disclose the information. That's really sensible. That's You need an expert. You need a Harvard law professor and a Yale law professor to come to that conclusion. Duh. No matter, no wonder why we're turning out <laughs> so many people who are so biased today against the Constitution, as I said uh, the other day, and I'm going to continue to say, the extreme right and the extreme left share in common a distaste for the Constitution. They just want to have it the way they want to have it. They don't want anybody interfering. If you know the truth with a capital T, if you know who's guilty, what, what do you need due process or the right to dissent? Uh, the Ayatollahs can tell you what's right. The Communist Party can tell you uh, what's right. The Tea Party can tell you uh, what's right. I don't care what party it is. Nobody has the right answer without dissent and due process. And that's what's being endangered by today's extremists, both on the right and the left. You know I was appalled by President Biden's speech. Not that he attacked the extreme right for being, he used the word semi-fascist, a term I would never ever use to describe uh, an American, uh, except a member of the Nazi party. Uh, but he never even criticized his own party. He never criticized the wokes, the regressives, they call themselves progressives, who are prepared to trash the constitution, freedom of speech, due process, uh, the Bill of Rights. Uh, no, if you're the president of the United States, you're a liberal Democrat, you turn to your own party first and you say to your own party, shame on you. Stop it. Then you turn to your opposing party. It's so easy to attack the opposing party. That doesn't take courage. That won't get you into John Kennedy's book, Profiles and Courage. But attacking your friends, attacking people on your side, if you're on the left attacking the left, if you're on the right attacking the right, that earns you a place in profiles in courage. John Kennedy wrote the book today. It would be a pamphlet, not a book, and a very short pamphlet with a lot of empty pages. And the pages would have to be easily removable because so many people who show courage in one context deny it in the next. So what's going to happen? Let me talk for a few minutes about what's called the 60-day rule, because it has a big impact on the ongoing investigation. So the Justice Department has an unwritten rule. It's not part of their official rules. It's certainly not a law. It's certainly not in the Constitution, but it makes sense. And what it says is essentially, look, we shouldn't be making announcements about investigations within 60 days of an election. If you're about to indict somebody, uh, or investigate them, and they're running against somebody else. No, you wait until after the election 
to make the announcement, no harm, no foul. Uh, there's, there's no harm in waiting a little bit. It's not that the statute of limitations uh, would expire or anything like that. Statute of limitations are five years, essentially, for criminal cases. So the sensible approach is to, to wait until after the election and not to have an impact on the outcome of the election. If you're a bureaucrat in the Justice Department or you're an attorney general who's been elected by one party and appointed by that, by that party, appointed by a party that was elected. So that makes a lot of sense. Now, that rule was crassly violated uh, against Hillary Clinton. And you folks who are Republicans who love me when I defend Trump are going to hate me when I say this. Sorry, that's who I am. I oppose both sides equally and support both sides equally. I defend the Constitution and the rule of law. James Comey was dead wrong when he announced the reopening of an investigation against Hillary Clinton just a couple of weeks before the uh, 2016 presidential election, and then try to make up for it by having a press conference. Oh, well, we looked into it. Yeah, no, but there were really any 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 uh, new evidence on 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 Wiener's uh, 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 computer. And so, whoops, sorry. You remember Rosanna, Rosanna, Dana. So sorry. Excuse me. What's Elon? What was her phrase? Never mind. Never mind. Oh yeah, that's James Comey. Never mind. All right. He turned the election against Clinton. Possibly. We don't know. But never mind. I shouldn't have said it. But the Justice Department now has a rule. Instead of saying never mind, their rule is don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do what Comey did. Comey will go down in history as having just violated every norm of the Justice Department by his double foolish announcement. And I don't think the Justice Department is going to do that. I think that Attorney General Garland has learned that lesson. And I think he will withhold any public, public announcements of any ongoing investigations. Probably should have withheld the search warrant as well. Now, to be fair, the Justice Department didn't announce the search warrant. Donald Trump announced the search. Um, and he had the right to do that. And there's no rule prohibiting a citizen from announcing a search warrant. There's only a rule prohibiting the Justice Department from doing so. So he, he may very well have stayed within that rule, but then some of the papers that he filed were not legal papers. They were press releases. They were, they were uh, narratives. They were designed to uh, impact the court of public opinion, and, and they certainly did so, especially that picture spread of all the, of all the documents that were found in the search laid out in a way to suggest, at least to naive people, that maybe that's the way it was found instead of staged. It was a staged picture. Uh, nobody could get a photographic prize for staging a picture. There have been all kinds of debates about whether so-and-so and so-and-so staged a picture to get a prize, but uh, you don't get prizes if you stage a picture. And if you're the Justice Department, you shouldn't be staging a picture. If you want to take a picture of something as you found it, that's one thing. You probably shouldn't do that either and release it to the public um, before an election or in anticipation of a possible trial. But you certainly don't stage it and then have big words, classified, classified, secret, out there in order to influence um, public opinion. Garland says he only speaks through court filings. Yeah, but what does he put in the court filings? He puts press release statements in the court filings. That picture was not in any way relevant to anything the court had to know. It was not designed for a judge's eyes. It was designed for your eyes. 
It was designed to influence your opinion and potentially a jury's opinion if there is to be a trial in the future. So I don't commend the Justice Department for having released that, that picture. But let's combine what we're talking about today. So we have a 60-day rule, and I think the Justice Department probably will not announce anything publicly uh, in the run-up to the election. But if you're going to have a 60-day rule, what's the disadvantage of delaying some parts of the investigation while a special master evaluates what you can use in the investigation? It doesn't do any good to say we'll have a special master, but in the meantime, in the meantime, you can look at lawyer-client privileged material that the special master will rule you can't look at, and you're going to say, never mind, I looked at it, never mind, I looked at it. That's already the Justice Department's excuse. The argument they made against the special master is, we've peaked, we've looked at it, we didn't wait to see whether or not a special master would find it to be lawyer-client privileged. We had our taint team. What's a taint team? A taint team is Justice Department officials who are friends with other department officials. Sometimes they have lunch together. Sometimes they may be in different buildings, but they are part of the same Justice Department. They report to the same attorney general. And one group of Justice Department lawyers gets to look at the lawyer-client privilege material. When my clients tell me something, they don't expect the Justice Department to look at it. So one group of Justice Department officials look at it but they're not allowed to tell the other Justice Department officials over lunch. They can't do a wink or a nod or anything like that. Imagine what would happen. It's just hypothetically, but if um, the taint team, the taint team, not the special master, the Justice Department officials read a lawyer-client privileged email in which the client, in this case, the former president, says to his lawyer, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. I tore up some of the material that was subject to a subpoena. What can I do? Um, that's privileged information because it's about a past crime, not a future crime. Do you think that information wouldn't get to the trial team? Do you really trust one group of Justice Department lawyers not to give a wink and a nod to somebody? Oh, let's assume something salacious were found in which the uh, client writes to his lawyer and says, uh, I've had this affair with this uh, Russian woman. It turns out she was a spy and I shouldn't have done it. It's over. Uh, but I did have this affair with this Russian woman. So do you think that wouldn't leak to the Daily Beast? Do you think that wouldn't be printed in the New York Times? Do you trust a taint team from the Justice Department, the Department of Leakage, not to disclose that material? either indirectly or directly, off the record, by a nod, by et cetera. I, I don't. I don't. And they're my former students. I like them. They're good people. But I don't trust the Justice Department to guard itself. Who will guard the guardians? The Romans said that 2,000 years ago, and it's just as relevant today. And the arguments that have been rejected as foolish by these academics, these wonderful, unbiased, objective academic experts or don't, don't worry the justice department will 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 be able to evaluate whether or not anything is lawyer client privilege and if it is nobody will ever see it again right would you trust your life your liberty to an internal justice department 
review, especially after what we've seen of the Justice Department and the FBI, um, the FISA warrant, where they didn't correct an untruth, they told the FISA court. And, and, and that's a trust me court, because remember the FISA court, it's not an adversary process. The same thing is true, by the way, of a review of lawyer-client privilege material. It's not an adversarial process. It's an ex parte process. One side only does the review. The FISA court, one side presents the evidence that it's national security, et cetera. The other side doesn't get a chance to respond. So Ronald Reagan was right. Trust but verify. I would have done it a little differently. Verify and verify. Don't trust and verify. The essence of our system of separation of powers and checks and balances is distrust in the government. Don't trust the government. You can like them. You can support them. I love my former students who work in the Justice Department. I like Merrick Garland. Every FBI agent I've ever had any direct dealings with, I've liked very much. It's not a question of who you like. It's an institutional question. Should the Justice Department be monitoring itself or does it need outside counsel? And especially, especially if the person being investigated is the man who is likely to run against the man who appointed you and will reappoint you to be the attorney general or the deputy attorney general or the assistant attorney general of the United States. What a conflict of interest. To have the president of the United States, who's going to be running against the former president, having his designated appointees make these crucial and important decisions. That's why we often have to have special counsel. I don't like special counsel generally, but it's necessary because we have a schizophrenic justice department. You know, this wouldn't happen in England. It wouldn't happen in Israel. It wouldn't happen in many European countries because the Minister of Justice, political appointee, the advisor to the Prime Minister, political advisor to the Prime Minister, is a separate job from the Director of Public Prosecution, the person who has to do the investigation and the prosecution. The latter job, the Director of Public Prosecution, is outside of the Ministry of Justice and um, is independent and is a civil servant and in some countries has a you know 10-year appointment. We tried that with the FBI, but not quite is the FBI is still part of the Justice Department. But uh, Director of Public Prosecution should be a separate job, maybe a separate cabinet. I wouldn't put him in the cabinet. I wouldn't put him in the cabinet or her. I wouldn't put them in the cabinet. I would have them specially, I would in fact probably make them part of the judicial branch of the government, have them separate from the executive branch, separate from the Justice Department. Obviously the kinks have to be worked out and you couldn't do it without uh, a constitutional amendment probably. And, legislation, certainly. But it's the fact that we don't have that, the fact that we have a system which merges these two jobs, political advisor to the incumbent president who's going to be running for re-election, and the person who's going to decide who to prosecute, including the person who's going to run against him. That's a problem. That's a conflict of interest. That's an institutional problem, not a question of who you like or who you personally Trust. I personally trust Merrick Garland. I supported his nomination to the Supreme Court. I was thrilled when he was nominated attorney general. I'm still generally a supporter. I'm a critic. Of course, I'm a critic. I'm also a supporter of Joe Biden. 
I'm a critic. I don't support anybody unequivocally. But my issue is not with Merrick Garland. My issue is not with the deputy attorney general. Rarely do I have an issue with the individual. Struck, obviously, the FBI agent who with his girlfriend was talking about insurance policies against Trump being president. Yeah, I have a problem with that. And I have a problem with the person who was just dismissed from the FBI. But I generally don't have a problem with all the people in these departments. I have a problem with the institutional structure. And that's what a special master is designed to at least, at least create the appearance of justice and also contribute to the reality of justice. So, you know, those are my views. Yeah, every other academic expert disagrees with me. That's never bothered me. There was an article a couple of years ago saying Dershowitz is at the margins of academia. This is when I defended President Trump and when um, other, other things of that kind. I like to be at the margin. I'd rather be at the margin at right and right than at the mainstream and center and wrong. So, you know, yeah, I'm at the margins. Uh, but history has proved me right in most instances. Almost every one of the predictions I've made has turned out to be correct. And I can't say that about other experts. Let's see if that continues. Maybe it won't. But up to now, my predictions have been pretty darn good. And the reason for that is my predictions aren't wishful thinking. I don't predict the results I want. I predict the results I think are going to happen. It was Olive Wendell Holmes who said, the job of a lawyer is to predict what the courts will do in fact. That's my job. That's what I do in that show. That's why I suspect so many of you, an increasing number of you, are, are watching the show. And that's why more and more of you are writing nice letters to me. Uh, not all, but I'll start reading a few of them. Okay. By Dershowitz's reasoning, shouldn't every search warrant be overseen by a special master, at least if the target is a prominent figure? No, not if the target is a prominent figure, but if the target is somebody who's going to be running against the incumbent president of the United States, I think a special master is a, a very good idea. I would take it a step further because I don't want to see anybody above the law, below the law, or different from the law. I would say in any serious case where there are plausible claims of violation of lawyer-client privilege by a search warrant. A special master is probably a good idea. It, it, there's no harm in it. There's no harm in it. Uh, a little bit of delay is not is not a harm. You know, justice delayed is justice denied. But no, not always. Sometimes justice delayed can be a good thing because it reflects thoroughness. Look, um, U.S. Attorney Durham in Connecticut has been doing his probe now for years, and I'm still hoping. There will be a fair and objective assessment of everything. So, you know, not rushing to judgment is more important than avoiding a delay of a few weeks or a few months. Okay. Professor Dershowitz, I know you said you plan on writing many more books. I hope so. As I said, my new book, Get Trump. I have another book that'll be out before that uh, about death and the law. I deal with all the issues involving uh, death, capital punishment, the Ukraine war, abortion. Um, gun control, every issue involving death. That, that will be out probably in January of this next one. Maybe out before or after that. I don't know. But yes, I'm writing new books. Okay. Can one of these books please be on the Second Amendment and history of guns in America? Your voice of reason on this issue is badly needed. I think that would be a great, great book. Look, I've read very carefully both the majority opinion and the dissenting opinion in Heller. And I think 
they both overstate their conclusions. Uh, it's a very nuanced history, and it's not one that will give you a firm and clear uh, answer. What does the Second Amendment mean? I, you know, it's 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 like interpreting the Bible. Uh, you know, last week was my bar mitzvah section of the Bible. And the Bible says, tzedek, tzedek, terdot, justice, justice must you pursue. And all the commentators ask the question, why does God say justice twice? There are probably a hundred interpretations, a hundred interpretations of that. I just came on my most recent interpretation. I'm now working with a brilliant, brilliant, distinguished uh, man to try to help rebuild the cemeteries in Eastern Europe that have been desecrated and allowed to be grown over and and I spoke to him the other day and I said, now I understand why God said justice, justice. There must be justice not only for the living, but for the dead as well. And so you need to make sure that cemeteries are, are kept in, in good order. So there are a million interpretations. The Second Amendment can be interpreted in, in numerous ways. Uh, there isn't a voice of Madison coming down from heaven saying, oh, my children, let me tell you what we meant. First of all, who's we? Is we, the people at the Federal Constitutional Convention? Federal Constitutional Convention didn't make the Constitution happen. It required state conventions. So we look at every state convention. That's what I did when I defended the Constitution on behalf of President Trump and said that in order to be impeached, there has to be treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Other high crimes and misdemeanors mean criminal-like conduct akin to treason and bribery. I got that out of reading all the debates of all the constitutional conventions. And if I wrote a book about the Second Amendment, I would do exactly the same thing. Okay, two questions, please. Shouldn't Mr. Trump approve of the master? No, no, you don't want to let it get to approve of the master. Shouldn't the master be a Republican? No, I mean, if the best person is a Republican, yes, but you know, you don't want to say only Republicans uh, need apply. Uh, because if anything does not go his way, Mr. Trump will seem political foul. Now, you need somebody, preferably somebody who's nonpartisan, maybe somebody who's been a judge for a long time. But thank you, Hubby and I love your uh, YouTube videos. We learn a lot because of one of your videos. We bought all of our kids the United States Constitution book you showed. Thank you. Great. I wish students would study the Constitution more. When I was in high school, we had a course called civics and and we were tested on the constitution we really had to know it very very well um today there's much more concern about identity politics than there is about constitutional history all sides of the constitutional debate should be made available to students and uh as i've mentioned before it was called the godless constitution and many religious americans were were opposed to it and of course Abolitionists were opposed to the fact that it preserved the slave trade for a number of years. It gave uh, African-Americans no votes and had them count only as three-fifths of a person for purposes of the vote. It's, it's a deeply flawed constitution, the best one ever written in the history of humankind. So show me an alternative and we can talk about it. Uh, keep fighting for justice you are on the right side of history as you have always been the price of principle thank you for the commercial for my my book i appreciate that i love your legal thrillers will you write about heroic defense attorney abe ringle ever again please so i've written three novels um two of them were bestsellers 
one was called The Advocate's Devil. Um, uh, very interesting, convoluted mystery story about the law. Another was called Just Revenge, um, which is a Holocaust revenge story about a professor who wants to take revenge on a, a killer in the Holocaust who murdered his whole family, but he wants to do it in a way that's just. Um, and the third one was called The Trials of Zion, which is a novel about the Iranian nuclear uh, a threat. Um, I love writing novels, but they're much, much harder than writing um, the basically short um, narrative books that I've been writing uh, lately and, you know, just turned 84. Don't know whether I have the patience to write another long novel. Novels are so complicated because everything has to fit together. Real life, nothing has to fit together. Life is uh, uncertain, un, uh, uncontrolled, and there's no narrative. Um, you know, as I think it was Sartre, I probably have it wrong. Uh, one of the great literary philosophers said, um, we uh, live life going forward, but historians write about it looking backward. And uh, looking backward, we often impose a narrative, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But in real life, that's not what happens. Uh, what happens in real life is life, unpredictable, unpredictable life. Um, so I don't know whether I'll be able to write another thriller. It depends on an unpredictable fact. That is how much time the good Lord gives me, how much energy he gives me, and uh, how much mental acuity uh, remains uh, into my 80s. Uh, so I hope I'll write a new novel, but I can't make any promises. Uh, here's a cute one. What if both sides have you on their list for special master and the judge chooses you? Would you agree to do it? Uh, and of course I would, but there's not going to Neither side will have me on the list. Um, probably I'm disqualified because I was Trump's lawyer during the uh, first in impeachment and surely the liberal uh, Democrats, the progressives and the wokes would, would probably try to veto me. It's interesting because when I was being considered for various judicial appointments, including according to reports that Jimmy Carter considered putting me on the Supreme Court, the opposition to me back then in 1977 or 8, Carter never got to make an appointment, so I'll never know whether I was on the list, but back then I would have been opposed by the right and supported enthusiastically by the left. Today, I suspect I'd be opposed by both sides, but I'd be opposed even more vigorously by the left than by the at least the center-right. So no, it's not gonna happen. I won't be a special master. I won't be a Supreme Court justice. And I probably won't write another mystery novel, but I'm gonna continue to write the kind of books I love to write with my publisher, Skyhorse, who publishes them like that. You know, that's what I love. I, one book I finished on like a Monday and a month later, it was on Kindle. So I, I love being able to get my point of view across very quickly. And that's why I love the podcast, because I talk to you, you listen, it's here and now. So please keep listening to The Dirt Show.